So it's nearly the new year, and uh, I thought it would be a helpful, useful reflection tonight to to think about uh, this time of year and to perhaps uh, use it in a very Buddhist way, a very skillful way, a supportive way for our practice. So, I mean, it's generally seen as a time for evaluating how it's been, where we have been, uh, and and a time to begin again, to start with a new slate. And and uh, really, I mean, I've been talking about perception all month, and so it, you know, I do want to make note of the fact that uh, it is just a perception. <laughs> the new year is just a perception. <laughs> it's just an idea. You know, it, in reality, this moment today, tomorrow, the next day, this is the same as any other moment. It's all just been now. You know, now, 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 now. You know, but. Uh, still, I mean, we all know that, you know, but having said that, um, uh, you, we've seen also how the mind rallies around perceptions and ideas, you know, it, it's going to glom onto them, and um, most of the time we don't even see it happen, and it can take us down uh, all kinds of paths, but it is possible to glom onto perceptions very consciously and very deliberately, and, uh, and, and when we do that, it can, this particular perception, like the new year, this can be a very useful one to glom onto and uh, uh, contemplate, uh, use in a, in a way that supports our practice. So uh, just to consider that, you know, what, is the, what does the uh, image or the idea of the new year conjure up in the mind? Uh, you know, for a lot of people, it's, uh, it's something like a feeling of uh, not being in or out. You know, There's a, you're sort of standing at a threshold. And um, there's that back there, you know, there's this up here that we don't know what it's going to be. And um, that, that can be very, very useful <laughs> if you hold on to that or uh, contemplate that in a, in a supportive way. So it, like, it, it can be a time of letting go of the past, releasing, let bygones be bygones, you know, all acquaintance be forgot. And, all Lang Syne, whatever that means. <laughs> I had no, I never, never did understand what that meant. But <laughs> anyway, there's lots of good stuff in there. You know, just let let it all, let the um, the sense of what has been be what it is, and 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 drop it. Let it let it go. Let it be. Uh, so it's a time of release, uh, a time of letting go, and then a turning towards and a sense of starting uh, anew. And, and you might that even say that for a, a few brief moments, you know, you, you sort of have this feeling of having a clean slate. You know, for me, when I did this little exercise myself, it just conjured up these uh, recollections I had of going to the confessional as a kid. I was raised Catholic, and that feeling coming out of the booth after having said, you know, this is what happened. Uh, and uh, that, that wonderful feeling of, oh, <laughs> so glad I got that off my chest, you know, so glad that's over, that's behind me. Um, and, and so, you know, uh, let's, use, let's do that, let's use it well, um, make the most out of this time. And so I thought I'd offer some thoughts tonight on reflecting uh, upon where we have been and how we have been, and of course looking ahead the idea of making resolutions and uh, taking full advantage of this image uh, uh, of, of a new beginning and um, using it well, using it wisely and skillfully. All of this, to me, is not at all outside 
uh, some of the very skillful means that the Buddha puts forth in his teachings. <clears throat> so for starters, just today, uh, and this is certainly optional, but it's, uh, it's an invitation just to um, think about, to, to recollect, uh, maybe today for the next few days, take, uh, take a little time to re- recall, to remember your life, your practice uh, in this past 12 months. Uh, see what comes up into the mind. Um, and name the things that have been uh, the, the dominant areas where we have suffered, where, where there's difficulty, the areas that need work, if you will. Uh, and we want to make these as conscious as possible. So much about mindfulness practice, awareness practice, is about bringing things that are operating just below the level of awareness fully into consciousness. Because then you can't do anything about anything that you can't see or whose reality you deny or the existence of in any way. And so this is a time to be honest and open and to identify uh, these areas and not to hide from ourselves. It's kind of, it's always been an interesting notion to me since uh, practicing because uh, one becomes aware over the, the years of practice that this idea of hiding from the difficult places in ourselves is absolutely ridiculous, you know, <laughs> because, uh, uh, well, first of all, um, we're certainly not hiding it from other people. Everybody knows our poo, you know. <laughs> we're, we're often the last ones to see it, you know. Uh, and the idea of... of um, hiding from ourselves, the, the, the gloss over, the, the, the glazing over about what's, uh, uh, what we see in ourselves, um, we're suffering with it all the same. So we want to take it out of uh, the realm of uh, uh, hidden areas and bring it fully into consciousness. And this perception of the new year can help us do that. So I was thinking about all these exercises we've done through the years. Uh, you've probably done these at retreats or um, gatherings of one sort or another, or maybe if you go to the monasteries, one of the uh, popular things at the monasteries that I go to and often been there on the new year is um, to take some time during the uh, evening vigil uh, to uh, write out uh, some of the areas that we want to spotlight. And uh, they get very creative, too. They have lots of colored paper and colored pencils and sparkles and sprinkles and all kinds of things just to to make it, you know, a little less painful, maybe, but also a little more creative, a little more uh, artistic, you know. Uh, I I don't want to hate these things. I want to be able to um, befriend uh, the the difficult spots in my heart. And so, uh, you know, one of the exercises that I've loved is just doing that and then often... Um, you know, you write on your little paper and you fold it up so nobody can see it, you know. And, and then uh, maybe sometimes there's a big bonfire or something like that. We take it out and put it in the fire. Or sometimes it's just a, um, a bowl or an offering. Uh, often sometimes it's water, uh, washing it away in water uh, on the shrine so that uh, you know, it, it's actually offered, laid there, and whatever goes on in the mind, uh, we're uh, being honest about it, we're naming it, and we're um, uh, making a determination uh, around bringing it fully into our awareness. So, uh, you know, just to encourage us to try something like this, literally or figuratively in the next little bit, I just pose the question in the mind uh, in a reflective way. You know, what are the rough spots? 
what are the patterns or attachments that I've seen in myself this year that don't serve me, that have been a source of suffering for myself or for the people in my life. And what, what amazes me in this process is how eager the heart is to go right there. You know, I'll bet if we went around the room right now, and we're certainly not going to do that, so don't worry. <laughs> but, it, you know, you, if, if, I, if you pose that question in your heart, um, uh, we'll look and see. See where it takes you. I'll bet, the, I'll bet you go right there. You know, we know what our rough spots are. We know the areas where we get blindsided uh, and the particular patterns that are strong in us. And um, we know what they are, and we go there. And I love the, the fact that uh, the heart knows. <laughs> it knows. And as I said, I think it's quite eager to identify, to name, and to put it uh, out in front of us, to put it on the front burner, if you will. And I've noticed that when I do that, uh, you can have a, a feeling of a relief. There, there's a kind of a, a letting go, just in naming just in identifying and saying out loud or saying in writing, this is, this is uh, what one of my spots, you know. And over the years, I mean, some of mine have been, you know, yeah, uh, I could stand to use a lot more care with my speech. <laughs> or uh, in another one I remember is this that, uh, and this one still holds very true, um, I, I, it would, I would be wise to... Uh, find a way to slow it down a bit, <laughs> just to slow it down enough such that my compulsive behaviors, the, the patterns and habits that are so driven and uh, unseen and compulsive and even neurotic, that, they, that, that I, I, gotta, I have a chance, <laughs> I have a prayer to get a wedge in there and to offset their full arising. You know, if I can just keep it simple enough. This is what our practice is all about, finding a way to be calm and uh, settled enough and aware enough such that these kinds of things don't get away from us like they do. So when we name the the areas that uh, need attention, as I said, it feels very honest and and very real. And it's been interesting to me to see how okay we are with naming those places and just wanting to be honest with, uh, uh, about it for ourselves. <clears throat> so, uh, so do that, you know. Take some time to reflect in this way and bring fully into consciousness. So we have to take great care in how we do that. That's important because uh, this is not exercises in um, naming things to be beat up on ourselves about. It's exercises in... Um, I, uh, making things conscious so that the, the wisdom factor can be engaged in, in uh, the, the use of those things. So we also want to, <clears throat> to notice how we've been relating to them. And this is a tricky one because it's not enough to see the patterns themselves, but we want to be able to see how this heart responds when those patterns are present uh, and when they're arising and certainly when we're acting out of them through ba- body, speech, and mind. Uh, we want to be able to see them with an ever-increasing kindness and an ever, ever, ever-increasing uh, impartiality and equanimity. 
And to me, over the years, I've, I've come to appreciate those two, particularly kindness and equanimity, as being one of the best measures of success, progress in practice. You know, people often ask me, how do I know if I'm, if it's, if I'm progressing in practice? You know, and my answer is always, are you kinder? <laughs> are you kinder to yourself? Are you kinder to other people? Are, are you less judgmental and critical of what you see in yourself and what you see in other people? You know, are, are we holding, um, are we just able to see the way that we actually are and, and hold it with this kind of kindness? And I, I submit that is, is for everybody in this room, if you're practicing, uh, and you all are, <laughs> very hard and very deliberately, then um, we are getting better every day. Uh, these qualities are growing, and they have to, <laughs> in order to do this practice, we have to become uh, kind and non-judgmental, because we suffer so much if we aren't. You know, and, and little by little over the years of practice we see this. Now this isn't, hasn't always been the case. I mean, if you look back, uh, you know, like if you don't believe me and, and you want to see if you're actually growing in this regard, I'd encourage you to look back. And just, uh, you know, most of us have been at this for a long time. You go back to those early years of practice and consider how it is, if you can even recall, how we held some of the teachings and practices that uh, were being offered to us. You know, one in particular that uh, uh, is very easy to see is how we held the precepts, how we understood the precepts. Um, Often what happens is we're coming to the Buddhist practice with a lot of biases in the mind, biases about a right way to be. (laughs) You know, there's a way to be and I'm not being it and that's why I need to practice so I can become it, you know. And uh, the precepts uh, loom large in this regard because they often get picked up as those mandates, as commandments or uh, mandates for a right way to be. And it takes some time in practice to begin to realize that, you know, far from, from being that, they're, they're to me the, one of the best gifts the Buddha has offered us. And he lays them out right at the very beginning of practice, the beginning of the path, just basically saying, look, these are the trouble spots. (laughs) These are some of the places where you're going to suffer the most. And so I just want to point them out. I want to shine a a spotlight on them um, for you. Uh, So that basically, I mean, the the undercurrent or the motivation in this is to, uh, as a means, as a tool, as a way of seeing the truth of the law of karma for ourselves. You know, it's, it's, there, it, it's, it's not enough to say there's a right way to be and you've got to become it. It's, it. it's far more effective, much more deeply ingrained when you, you look at your behaviors. What's it like when you're harming? What's it like when you're not harming? <laughs> you know, what's it like when you're generous, when you're extending yourself for the welfare of other people? What's it like when you're contracting and holding back and being stingy and looking only out for yourself, you know? What's it like when we're using correct speech, when we're using our speech to bring people together versus divide them or hurt them or harm them? You know, this is, this is what he's dishing up with the precepts. You know, look and see. Uh, if this isn't 
seeing very directly and in a a very deeply experiential way the truth of the law of karma. I don't know what it is. Actions have consequences. These uh, feel very good. These don't feel good at all. And they bring harm to self and to others. And, and so through the years of practice, you know, we begin to see that. But it, it may not be how we understood it uh, in the beginning, is it? You know, it's, a, it's usually a lot more elementary than that. Uh, a, a lot more uh, sort of something uh, we, we learned in grade school. And the hindrances can get picked up in, in ways that are um, distorted and, and incorrect for many years in practice. I know for myself, I just kind of had this attitude towards them. You know, there's these nasty little boogers that all my job was to get rid of them, you know, get them out of this heart and, and pounce whenever. So the effect was that, you know, you just you pounce and you uh, contract uh, in, in the presence of them. Uh, and they just, for me, I know became for a long time... Uh, now I had names for all the problems that I had. You know, I had new names, and so they became uh, new ways to, to beat, beat up on myself. But, you know, over the years, one begins to see these as, uh, again, another gift from the Buddha, to say these are the areas where the, where the suffering happens. You know, see if you can see that for yourself. So that uh, the, the heart can uh, slowly, gradually move away from those suffering actions through body, speech, and mind. So the, the net uh, effect uh, in the early years of practice is that um, we aren't necessarily open to what we see in ourselves. You know, we're still uh, locked in ideas about a way that we should be and the way that we are may not get seen. And, you know, gradually, slowly, over the years of practice, we're, we're trying uh, to do that. And... Um, but generally, for many years, even picking up ideas like Nibbana and liberation, we're still trying to be something that we're not. <laughs> still trying to get somewhere to become something that we aren't. So if you can feel that, you know, in the presence of those kinds of attitudes, those kinds of ideas, then um, kindness is, is, not, is not very strong. <laughs> You know, and compassion in the heart is going to be quite weak as well. And um, equanimity will be pretty much non-existent because there's a whole lot of judgment in that kind of thinking. A whole lot of uh, judgment and criticism. So I I was talking with somebody a a while back who who was really um, struggling, just very, very hard on himself about what he kept uh, seeing in his heart and in his actions um, through practice. And, um, but basically, what we uncovered through talking about it was that he really was seeing meditation and seeing the Buddhist practice as a self-improvement project. You know, and, he, and, he, and he wasn't seeing it as a way to um, just open the heart to what is, to make peace with what is, and to, to start from there. Um, just to uh, get a sense of what actually is and let that be the baseline. So that's part of it. And uh, one of the ways that you, you know, it's good to reflect and see how much one has grown, how much one has come to understand uh, over the years of practice. And another measure that I find kind of uh, interesting to reflect upon too is how 
early in practice and maybe even for many years um, into our, our practice, we, um, we, we keep uh, buying into um, superficial evaluations about how we're doing and how it's going and this kind of thing uh, and explanations for why we are the way that we are. Uh, you look and see, you know, when, when you see something perhaps unattractive in yourself or some pain or difficulty, uh, how easily the mind goes to, um, it was my mom, <laughs> it was my dad, you know, it was my second grade teacher. Um, some um, person or some condition is to blame for that, and that's the way that I am. And that's why I am uh, the way that I, I am. And uh, the thing is that uh, there's, there can be some truth to these uh, evaluations. But I think what the Buddha is trying to get us see, to see is that they don't go very deep. <laughs> They're dancing around in very superficial layers of the mind. And uh, in a way, it, it doesn't really matter how we got the way that we are. <laughs> the Buddha isn't uh, concerned so much about that. It's more, do we know the way that we are? And are we able to evaluate whether or not the way that we are, the conditions, the habits that arise in this mind, and this heart, are doing us any good? Are they serving us in, in, in any way? And I was, I was talking with somebody uh, a, a few years ago, this is a good example of this, where she was um, struggling with the fact that she had um, lost her daily sitting practice. She, she wasn't keeping it up, and uh, in, in her own evaluation, it had gone all to hell, you know. And, and so, uh, fair enough, she, she was having trouble with that and not able to sustain her daily practice. But what was interesting to me was how quick she was to make this out to be some um, horrible uh, development in her life, in her practice. And, furthermore, to have some deep, dark reasons you know, she kept probing for what it was in her deep in her psyche that made her not uh, able to sustain her deep her daily practice. You know, and and it, she said, uh, "I think it, I think what it is. I think I know what it is. I think it's that I don't like seeing the hindrances, and so um, I'm just avoiding practice because I don't want to see uh, the the pain of these states." And again, I mean, fair enough, there might be some truth to that, I don't know. But, you know, my first thought was just listening to and seeing the pain that she was in because of this, was um, that, you know, because of her evaluation, now she was not only not sitting, but she had some deep, dark reasons for not doing that, you know? And so, in a way, she's going in the wrong direction. You know, she's actually compounding the pain that she's in by uh, being, um, seeing that now she's got these uh, horrible, uh, deep psychological issues going on here too. And, you know, I remember telling her that um, this apparent uh, resistance to formal practice, I mean, can we talk? It happens to everybody. <laughs> you know, everybody goes through it. And I, and I submit that if people say they have never gone through that, they're, they're either lying or they're, they're uh, not catching it, you know? <laughs> everybody goes through that at some uh, point or another. 
Um, and, uh, you know, just to relax around that. And, and, and it may be, as she said, that there were some deep reasons for that, some, something in her deep psyche, I don't know. But you also want to consider, and this is what I encouraged her and encourage you, just to consider the possibility that it, it's much more impersonal than that. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's not like we're, these are conscious decisions, you know, very little of it actually is. You may have seen this, you know, it's all kind of proceeding out of some uh, highly conditioned patterns and, and habits. And um, so much of uh, our lives are just um, on automatic pilot. They're just they're p- patterns and habits that we've been uh, caught in for a long time that we don't see, that we're following, that we're that are driving our actions. And um, it, it's not that there's these deep, dark reasons, like I don't want to. But believe me, it's not that well thought out, <laughs> you know. We're just caught in something else. We're just caught in, a lot of it, I think, is uh, the, the dominant feature of our experience is anxiety, you know, restless agitation. And so it, it's the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. I mean, how many times have you gone to sit and decided you weren't going to sit because there was something else? You know, no, I got to do this. I got to do that. I got to do that. That's restless agitation. And we're caught in it. We're, we're driven by it. Uh, we we want to be able to see that. So we're just, just caught in um, these kinds of um, compulsions. And I would, I dare say that this is true of all difficult states, you know, that they aren't, we aren't deliberately greedy, hateful, slothful, uh, confused beings, you know. It, it's really just more that we're stuck. We're stuck in delusion, we're stuck in ignorance, and uh, we don't, we aren't able to see things as such. And so just to be able to soften our hearts and uh, relax and have it be a given, uh, that difficult states uh, will arise, that there's a lot of unfinished business for all of us, or we wouldn't be here. You know, and I, I don't know about you, but I have found it just enormously helpful just to have that be a given in my life. Yeah, and I've even gone so far as to acknowledge the, the uh, extent of my own ignorance and delusion, to really let that in. <laughs> It's like, oh, I am an unawake human being, you know. <laughs> and there's something in a very twisted way about that realization that makes you um, happy. <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> now oh, I get it. I mean, there's a freedom in it because it explains so much, you know. Just to, to see our states impartially and to know that we're stuck, we're caught in delusion, and have that be, in a way, uh, the baseline. Yes, we want to get free, we want to awaken to it, but you can't do that if you don't see it. So look and see, and and over time, that um, we learn that it's better just to notice our behaviors, and, and... uh, to see them with as much impartiality and as much kindness as, as we can muster. Uh, and, and it's better if we just see what arises and open to it. And again, I submit that every one of us is getting better and better and better at doing that. 
and have it not be something that ruffles our edges so much. It's like this is normal. We're, we're not awake and we're doing the best that we can at all times. And, and gradually what, um, what boggles the mind is that we are all slowly, carefully, easily, uh, to some extent, finding our way to freedom, aren't we? I mean, aren't you more awake because of this practice? Aren't you more aware? So that's part of it. It's just kind of naming what is, uh, starting with that, as I said, as a baseline. And then uh, we have, um, you know, having named these uh, rusty spots and kind of gotten out the oil can, then, um, you know, what we do uh, at this time of year is make... Uh, the determination to put them on the front burner and to say, okay, uh, I'm really going to try to remember that and to be aware of it as it's happening and to learn um, through that awareness what bits of this pattern are useful and what bits are not. And so this is uh, really uh, making full use of what one of the paramis, uh, the the Buddha speaks to this as uh, aditana, uh, you may have he- um, heard about this. And, <clears throat> and this is, uh, tana. tana is a, a foundation. It's like the satipatthana, the, the foundation. It's a, uh, an adi means a higher or, or fuller. So what we're doing when we make a determination, um, which is basically a resolution, it's like a New Year's resolution, it's a resolve, What we're doing with that is, you know, standing on a higher or firmer foundation. One is making a stronger commitment in practice. And and so this gets to be very, very powerful stuff. You know, it's already uh, strong in every one of us as we practice, or we wouldn't be here. We have all made a strong determination, whether it's conscious or deliberate or not, uh, to awaken this heart, to awaken this mind. And so um, the Buddhist teachings make full use of that. You know, you may have done this on retreat where uh, they, often the teachers will encourage you to make the determination not to move for a whole sitting. You know, just get yourself propped up. And uh, just as, in, as a way of working the edge, the wanting, uh, working the edge of disease or uh, discomfort, um, make that determination not to move. And, you know, inevitably, two minutes into it, you know, you're like, oh, man, <laughs> two inches, I just need two inches, you know, <laughs> the right leg, and, and it, everything would be all right, you know. But, and, and these, these kinds of things are useful. Um, yeah, um, but this, in a way, what I'm speaking to here is, is even more powerful. It's mu- uh, much more powerful, much more uh, deep. Uh, so that one is making a determination to look at particular patterns. And you combine that, so that's the resolution part, and you combine that with restraint. Um, and you've got uh, in, in your hands an uh, unbelievable and unbelievable, unbeatable tool for liberating the mind. I'm going to look and I'm going to make this determination when I, I feel the impulse to behave in that way, to try to restrain myself in that effort. So this is what we're doing like tonight when we took the, the precepts. You know, we're making full use of resolve and restraint. So I, I undertake the precept to refrain 
from incorrect speech. So what one does then is you, you resolve to uh, behave in a skillful way and um, refrain from following unskillful impulses when they arise. So just consider what's going on in that, especially given what we've been talking about, sanya and perception. Um, this is a, what, what the precepts are, is, is forming an idea in the mind. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, going to for, I'm going to form this idea in the mind to behave in a certain way. And, um, and then, so that's the sanya kanda at work. That, that's the idea, the perception, the view, the uh, notion, right? And then um, the, the mind forms around that. It kind of gathers around that idea. And that's the sankaras at work, the formations at work. So you're, you're actually engaging sanya and sankara, these aspects of mental activity, uh, in the interest of, of hi- highlighting, spotlighting certain patterns or behaviors. So basically what we're saying is, keep it, this precept is an, is an idea. It's a good idea. And we rally the forces of the mind uh, around it. Or another way of saying it is that we engage memory um, uh, in, in our own behalf. So what happens is you, you form this idea in the mind and that gets um, f- um, established uh, in the mind as a memory. And that gets very, that's very, very handy because what will happen then is when the impulse to behave in a way that goes against the precept arises, then that, the memory of that aditana will arise. <laughs> you know, it, it'll become a player in that moment, uh, which uh, this can be uh, incredibly powerful, incredibly um, helpful uh, in our process to try to break some of these patterns. Just uh, it, what that does is it, 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 it slows it all down. <laughs> Uh, it's like, whoa, 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 well, you know, it's like a little flag goes off. Oh, I wasn't going to do that. Oh, I wasn't going to do that. And it, and it gives us time to consider the experience. And the Buddha actually encourages us, and I think this happens sort of at lightning fast speeds anyway, but he in- encourages us to bring into those moments the memory of having done that action in the past. You know, and I think it happens quite naturally. But basically, the, the mind will go, oh, we're in one of those areas. It'll start to shake and question, we were going to do something different here, we were going to do something different here. And, and that will at least uh, slow it down. And then we can enjoy, potentially, the great relief of slowing it down enough to go in a different direction. And I, and I bet you've had that experience where sometimes it's as if somebody threw the switch on the railroad track, you know, the train was going this way. And, and you, you, you're going, you're, you're about to say something really nasty, you know, and it's going, and, and right in the midst of that, it's as if somebody threw the switch and, and went that way. It's like, <laughs> it didn't go that way, it went this way, yeah? It's, I love that when it happens, it's very exciting. And this is uh, the power of the kinds of things that we talk about when we're using resolve and, and restraint. And so at, at the very least, what happens is we create some hesitation. And in the uh, Buddhist thinking, that hesitation is karmically very uh, weighty, uh, very um, positively weighty. Um, it, it's actually... Um, 
uh, it, it kind of creates a, um, a ripple in the matrix, you know? It, 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 uh, it shifts the um, highly conditioned pattern, even if only for a few seconds. You know, it, it was going to go in, the, in that direction and something has uh, altered it. And, um, you know, at, at, at best you can enjoy uh, enough time to make it possible to fully restrain an unskillful impulse. So there's a lot of good stuff in this. It's very, very, very um, active in this uh, uh, formulation of the mind. So we're putting all the natural faculties of the mind to good use. Normally, Sanya and Sankara are all caught up thinking about ourselves and getting caught in states. Now we're using them in a way that helps us to uh, break out of unskillful states. And, and it pays off over time. And I, I was recalling a, a, a time when I know I've shared with you, uh, some of you who were here, you know, times uh, where uh, what, like, what I've been working on for many, many years is just trying to, uh, when I'm in the presence of somebody who is behaving in some way that I don't like, you know, and, and trying very uh, deliberately, with great effort, not to put them out of my heart. Just, you know, I can feel the contraction, I can feel the not liking the way that they are, and yet uh, how can I, uh, even in the presence of that, keep the heart open to them? Wow, it's, a, it's quite a task. I've been, I don't know about you, but I've been at it for 20 years at least, just, just inching my way along that, that capacity. And, and one time, uh, a number of years ago, um, when I was at one of the monasteries, uh, I, I saw something change very dramatically, and uh, it was very, very powerful, me, powerful for me. Where uh, I was uh, in charge, I had to guide the practice of some of the people there, and uh, there was a particularly uh, uh, single-minded woman. <laughs> she had her own way of doing things, and uh, you know, part of my work was to just be reining her in, you know. And, and really, um, for the first time uh, ever that I was aware of, um, in one of those moments where I saw the behavior and I had to address it, uh, I had to rein it in uh, somewhat, my heart, I, I did not put her out of my heart. <laughs> and and uh, it's hard to convey the happiness that one feels in such a moment. I, I had goose flesh all over my body. You know, it was like uh, uh, just this unbelievably uplifting thing. I thought my hair must be standing straight out, you know. But, but to see that moment where, oh my goodness, <laughs> I didn't hate her. <laughs> and, and it happened, and, and this is a fruit, and uh, I knew it, and I saw it, and felt it, and these kinds of moments are very, very important, and I'm sure you've had them. And I, I, I submit that uh, it is very important that you soak in them. <laughs> like, do not be too quick to leave them. Granted, uh, everything only has about three seconds of life, but, uh, but stay with it for as long as it's there. And, and really, really wiggle down into it, you know? <laughs> ah! The Buddha was right. <laughs> this really works. 
We need to see those because they're uh, very much players in this process. Uh, And so uh, part of this uh, process that uh, I'm pointing to um, also includes very much seeing the goodness. It's very easy to point to the difficulties and to the difficult states, and understandably so, because we're suffering so much with them. But uh, one also wants to take great care to remember while you're reviewing the year. (laughs) Make sure that you make an equally large list (laughs) of all of your goodness and all of the moments throughout this year where one extended oneself uh, in in a greater measure or where one saw consistently that um, skillful states were beginning to rear their heads and dominate. You know, where uh, anything, anything of that accord to really let ourselves feel the good because, um, and sometimes people don't want to go there, but, you know, we have to remember the four great efforts. You know, the Buddha is very clearly saying that, yes, you want to see and overcome the difficult states, but you also want to um, establish yourselves and, and sustain the very skillful states. Well, how are you going to do that if you don't even see them? you know, if we don't even notice them. And uh, a lot of the uh, sustaining and development of skillful states takes place just in their direct experience. You know, because they feel good. And this heart wants more. You know, and it's a very skillful wanting. It's a, it's a, a, a leaning towards uh, what is good. So I bring it up because I don't think we give our goodness an enough air time. So just as a, as a reminder uh, for all of us to, to be sure to do that, to, to contemplate uh, one's own goodness. And, and so here's a, here's a good one. I mean, you can certainly name many yourselves, I'm sure, but one that I think merits our attention, again, for everybody in this room, is that we are all devoted to following this ancient path of the Buddha to finding a way out of the craving and the ignorance that uh, contaminates the heart. And so this is our aspiration. And uh, it's a very um, uplifted uh, quality of heart. It's a wanting. It's actually a wanting, but on the continuum of wanting, you know, on one end you've got uh, essentially the wanting that pulls you down. (laughs) And on the other end you've got the wanting that lifts you up. You know, an aspiration, chanda, is a, is, a, is a kind of a wanting that is lifting us up. And it's a major driving force in all of our hearts and, and, and very much in our practice. Um, so, you know, you, just on hearing that, you, you may think that uh, for you this may not be true or it might not be highly developed um, or fully functioning in all of us. But... Uh, I think that if one thinks that, then it's really much more the case that you don't have the habit of looking for it or noticing it when it's there. It's not that it's not there. It's definitely there because, I mean, we're all here uh, in this place of practice when we could be, we could be in Times Square. (laughs) Not that you'd want to be, but you know, you know what I mean. (laughs) You definitely could be in uh, some much more worldly environment. And yet here we are, 
what is that? You know, we, we have to know that about ourselves. We have to recognize that. So I guess what I'm encouraging you to do is to recognize it and to soak in it, to really marinate in it, as someone said recently. Uh, and, and doing this is very, very nourishing, very much a, a part of our practice. In fact, it's been, whether we realize it or not, one of the primary uh, sources of fuel for our practice all along. And you can trust it, and you can rely on it. And it's really quite beautiful. And I think what can happen is that, you know, as long as self-view is dominating in the mind, um, it, it, it will tend to hijack it. <laughs> and, and, and it'll tend to reduce it to, some, to, to this, whole, this whole practice, to some kind of personal quest. You know, and it, it's, not, it's, it's not personal. It's much bigger than that, what we're all caught up in what we're all feeling in our hearts and driven by, much, much bigger than that. So, Happy New Year. (laughs) And uh, may may we all have a Happy New Year. We all want a Happy New Year. Uh, And just to to contemplate the kind of happiness that we seek. It's not really, it's not the ordinary giddy happiness that's... um, the product of, of worldly endeavors, you know, it's, it really is an unworldly happiness, un, unworldly uh, experience of pleasure and pain and neither that uh, the Buddha is pointing us to. So just to recognize that throughout the year conditions will come and some of them are going to hurt and uh, mind states will come and go and some of these will hurt. And so, you know, our, our task really as practitioners is to, to see that happen and, and not compound conditions by wanting that to be different. That's really the happiness of the Buddha, just being able to see what is as it is and, and not expecting it to be something other than that. Ajahn Chah defines Nibbāna as the reality of non-grasping. The reality of non-grasping in any given moment. So uh, I, the way I see it, our job as practitioners is to uh, make that a reality. To discern for ourselves when this heart is constricting and tightening around what is and to find a way to let what is be what it is and to learn through the direct experience, through direct knowledge, whether, um, particularly in the case of patterns and habits of mind, whether they serve us or not. To me, it, it, it's not more or less than that. So may, uh, may we indeed have a very happy new year. Offer this for your reflection tonight. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.